Hey, I'm Mick DiMatteo, and welcome to Music Is Not a Genre, the interview edition. It's always monumental when I have a guest on. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. Uh, please support this podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre or at anchor.fm slash music is not a genre. The public hub where you are probably watching this video is youtube.com slash at music is not a genre. My website is nickdomadio.com where you get all things podcast, music, acting, voiceovers, writing, etc. And please listen to and support my band Rec, R-E-C, at recarea.bandcamp.com. With me today for the 30th edition of the interview series is Anthony Cirillo. Anthony is president of the Aging Experience, creator of the Caregiver Smile Summit, which is a virtual video-based on-demand program that features experts across the spectrum of caregiving. And he's also the creator of Sage Stream, a senior entertainment education network, which you can see at sagestream.live. All of these links will be below, by the way. I, I wanted to mention that one in particular, though, and we'll you know talk about why later. Anthony is also a musician and a Philly native like me, who has entertained in casinos and resorts, won several Billboard Songwriting Awards, recorded in Nashville, and been featured in songwriter showcases. You can find out more about Anthony's music and where he's playing in the Charlotte, North Carolina area at at TonyC.live. Again, all these links will be below. And fun fact, he started out in sports broadcasting. Uh, He was a producer for CBS TV in Philadelphia. He knows sportscaster Jim Nance. Anthony, how are you today? (laughs) I'm really well, Nick. Um, The joke with me is that most people who know me call me, uh, I like to be called Anthony, because when you're born and raised in in South Philly, uh, you're Tony, you're Anthony, you're little (laughs) Ant. In my case, if you saw how tall I was. Um, So the the joke is that the Tony C thing came about. We were in Myrtle Beach one afternoon and we went to a bar and there was this duo singing old Sinatra stuff. And we were at the table next to them and we all started singing while I was the closest. So they put the microphone right to me, not realizing that maybe uh, that I could actually sing. So next thing I knew I was doing 20 minutes uh, with them. And the whole our whole table, of course, is just shouting out Tony C, Tony C, which, you know, is Uh-oh. is annoying. But but that's it's all fun. <laughs> so when I went to get a website, when I started gigging again, it's a lot better than Anthony Cirillo. So it's Tony C dot live just uh, for whatever that's all worth. <laughs> I love that. That's it's got a great ring to it. And I completely understand about the whole South Philly thing. Uh, my middle name is Anthony. There are a lot of Anthony's in my family. I mean, there are a lot of Knicks in my family, too. You know, they they weren't that creative with names. And uh, uh, there, there have been times in my life where I've been called Nikki D. So I, I totally get that. So why don't you tell us how I like to start every interview? Uh, tell everyone, how do we know each other? Ah, uh, well, that's because uh, during COVID, I created something called SageStream, SageStream.live. And it's a live senior live in the moment, interactive, subscription-based entertainment network. Essentially, we're live streaming shows to socially isolated older adults in all kinds of care settings, uh, but we're doing it live so it can be interactive. And I have 60-plus members on my roster uh, from around the world. And early on, Nick and I, and I'm not sure who introduced us, and maybe you have that backstory, um, can tell me. Uh, somebody introduced me to Nick 
And since then, we've done programs together, and he will probably surface as a host for some of our programs when we really get chugging along. And so that's, uh, and he was my guest uh, on our, we're, we're, we just soft launched Sage Stream last week. I did a Valentine's program, and then Nick uh, did a wonderful set of old standards yesterday at 2 Eastern. And so we'll have programs for the next 14 weeks coming up. And so uh, that's how I know you. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about SageStream more and more uh, through this, among many other things. And just so the audience knows, we're recording this on February 22nd. My show is on February 21st. And like Anthony said, there are 14 more shows in just this bundle. And then who knows uh, the future, you know. I think that, do you, and I think I've asked you this before, but were you or are you a part of something called the Solo Musicians Network? Oh, yes. And maybe that's where this, yes, the Solo yeah. Musicians Network, yes, where they send out emails and instead of blind copying everybody, everybody's in the CC. So you can. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's you a can easily reach, You can easily reach out to all of them, which I have on a couple of times. I haven't done it lately, but that's how I got um, like the Phyllis Chappelle, uh, amazing jazz singer. Uh, she's on that list and uh, another couple guys. And I, and I guess that's where we, we, we are really met. So uh, yeah, I haven't seen too much from them lately, but uh, it's a great network of people. Uh, you know, when I started doing the nursing homes, particularly at one time, uh, uh, who knew that that even existed? So, uh, and then who knew that not many people did that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was so um, the Solo Musicians Network was actually co-founded by uh, my dad back in the 90s. And wow. a guy named Hal Martin, who was a, you know, yes. yeah, big guy back in the Philly area. And uh, I don't know how many members it has now that, you know, people come and go uh, and all of that. Every now and then they'll post up a gig and say, hey, can you fill this in? But they do do a lot of. Uh, nursing home work that's one of their primary areas where people are performing yeah so i yeah. know we'll be talking about that a lot more later too that's 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 interesting i had no idea and i obviously very familiar with the hal martin uh with with that name for sure so uh okay, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah anybody who's in the philly area by the way if you are a solo music performer check out solo musicians network uh, if, if you don't know how to find it, cause I'm not sure how savvy they are with all that stuff. You can just contact me and I will send you an email. You can sign up. It's a, it's, it's still a pretty healthy network for ways to find, uh, you know, gigs every now and then somebody who's a regular somewhere decides to leave the area. They need somebody to fill in. It's just a good network to, to get involved in, especially since it put me in touch with you. And got me involved with all the stuff with SageStream, uh, which again, I, you know, this isn't when I do these interviews, it's, it's never about, uh, oh, what's your, what's your pitch? You know, let's, let's just promote one thing. It's really about the person. But that said, we're going to be talking a lot about SageStream because I think it's an amazing uh, thing. And I'm just excited that it's, you know, really getting off the ground. Yeah. As I, as I am. So when, whenever, whenever the, conversation naturally fits be glad to tell you more great so uh the next question i ask and uh you know little a little insider information just sort of the back end of things 
I only really prepare two questions for all of my interviews uh, because the guests are always so fascinating that questions just pop up in the course of conversation. The first question is always, how do we know each other? Uh, And then the second question here, which uh, I always say, interpret how you will, and as long or short as you'd like, is tell everyone your story. Ah, sure. Well, it's a, it's an interesting story, and and it really Sage Dream is a culmination of of the stories. Uh, so um, to give you the the, the fifty thousand foot, and not get too uh, loquacious here, but uh, <laughs> born and raised in Philly. Um, my dad passed when I was eleven, and he was forty nine, and he wanted me to take guitar lessons, and I hated them, but I kept the guitar behind the door, and. Uh, when he passed uh, about a year later, I picked it up, started t- teaching myself chords. The guy across the street uh, was a lead singer, and uh, we put a band together, and uh, we already had a lead guitarist, and all these guys are still friends of mine, which is the craziest thing. In fact, the uh, the guy across the street, his name's Art Salvagno, and he's a Christian singer now. He's on our roster, uh, and I just saw him – I haven't seen him in years, and we just met up in Asheville uh, during the summer. So, so we had a little band. Uh, my other, the, the guitar player Walter, he's in Northern Italy. He's a physician, and uh, of course, I, you know, I was the bass player because all the lead guitarists got taken off quick because uh, they all wanted to get the girls. So that that's kind of kind of how that worked. And so, uh, really, through my childhood, through college, into the '90s, I was in bands of one permutation or another. Always as the bass player. Uh, I did do some side gigs at uh, Caesars in uh, Atlantic City and resorts. Did a whole strolling, strolling troubadour at resorts one one uh, New Year's weekend. It was kind of interesting. I was singing some songs in Italian and getting requests for my way at $20 a pop and just kept going. So why can't we do this all the time? Uh, <laughs> but so that was that's always been one track. But, you know, um, there always was that, you know, what are you going to do when you grow up? So, um, again, I was fortunate through unfortunate circumstances to get kind of the college education I got. Because when my dad passed uh, and my mom became a um, the breadwinner and she hadn't been working and she hit, didn't drive and she was in her late 40s. And so there's opportunities that avail themselves to you. So I was able to get a scholarship for St. Joe's prep in, in Philadelphia and actually paid less than my friends paid gone to the other Catholic high school. And then I got state grants uh, basically to cover my tuition at Drexel. And then eventually when I went for my master's at 10, it was covered by my employer. Um, so, you know, things happen for a reason. Perhaps that's, you know, what happened in my case. I, I don't think I would have got that kind of education, but during my years at Drexel, I, you know, took a couple of years off from music to um, see what I was going to do when I grew up and I became the sports editor. And really, you know, I had no business being the sports editor, but whatever. Um, and then I got an internship at the uh, local ABC station, uh, CBS station, I should say. Um, one of the local ABC sportscasters actually, though, did befriend me. And he was a young hotshot. He wasn't old, but a few years older than me. And he was running around in his Porsche and he was just a big sports star, you know, on TV in Philly. And uh, he just chauffeured me around for a whole day. I shadowed him. It was amazing. So uh, I wound up working for CBS in the sports department and parlayed that into a job with a sportscaster named Jim Kelly. Um, 
he um, not the quarterback, uh, but uh, yes, he went on to be uh, to go to ESPN. Um, him and a, a guy named Al Meltzer were the two guys that were on the uh, TV that uh, at sports those times, and uh, um, wound up producing his Sports World Roundup radio program. Uh, and that's when you allude to uh, Jim Nance and others. Well, I had all kind of people. They were called stringers, and they were sending me tape from games. And literally back in those days, you had cassette players. You unscrewed the top of your telephone. I'm sure people would like, what are you see talking about? You unscrewed the top of your telephone. You put clips from your cassette player onto the uh, the connectors on the telephone, and that's how the tape, the sound from the tape, <laughs> went to the reel-to-reel in the studio. And then you used razor blades to edit the the interviews. So I had all kinds of guys who I had no idea who they really were at the time. Like Win Elliott was a big sportscaster. Um, I wound up producing uh, a Philadelphia Phillies World Series with him, uh, where we wound up in the Phillies locker room. Uh, you know, after the or the Orioles locker room, I should say, after they won, uh, was on the Phillies victory parade. When they won in 80 as a as a media person, uh, you know, traveled for CBS to to do uh, programs in uh, L.A. and Houston when baseball was on strike back in 80. That's why I met Ralph Kiner and Jerry Coleman and had no clue who they were. No clue at all. So uh, Jim Nance was one of my stringers. And uh, I've since bumped into him over the years. And he will tell people right off the bat that I helped put him through school. Uh, because of the stringing. But anyway, uh, because I was kind of confined to the Philly area and didn't want to move out, I uh, got a job in medical publishing and then hospital work. And the hospital work was in marketing and things like that uh, until a couple of debacles in the healthcare system in Pennsylvania that disillusioned me and I kind of left. Bottom line is my wife wound up getting a job in uh, Bergen County, New Jersey. And uh, I wound up with a job at... um, 14 Wall Street in uh, New York, working for a healthcare company that serves seniors. And that was the first time because my music career had moved on from the bands to walking into a senior center and starting entertaining for elders. And so that's how that connection came. And my whole health career on the elderly and aging issues really mm-hmm. started when I started singing in places. And that got me this job on on uh, in New York, where we would go out and uh, spend time with people in the boroughs of New York with a certain kind of model of healthcare, uh, you know, the Medicare Advantage programs they have today, we were a precursor to that. And we had a whole different model on how we approach things. So it was in New York actually for like crazy, the strangest times, obviously. I was there, uh, I wasn't in town during 9-11, but if I was, I would have been walking through the Trade Center because we uh, we lived around the corner. Um, and, uh, uh, but went back the next Monday, like everybody else, taking the ferry in and uh, I'm sure we could talk about that. And, uh, you know, at the time um, uh, we were contemplating coming down here and uh, we moved here 22 years ago this year. And uh, a lot of what I do down here has been start out of consulting, but then I do a lot of writing and um, media work. Uh, I appear on a local TV show uh, every month uh, talking about aging issues, uh, have some products for caregivers. Uh, but it all culminated in uh, December of 21. I got a student from Northeastern Pens- uh, Northeastern University in Boston uh, to kind of work on a project that you just didn't have time for. And my idea was a live stream senior entertainment network. And uh, that kind of gets us to the point we are today. 
Wow. Heck, wow. I I love the roots that you took to kind of uh, bring together all of the experience you've had in the various fields to what's going on today. You know, uh, there are some I, I, I've taken notes because, uh, you know, it's just stuff that's popped up that I find sort of a connection with. But the first question I have is you mentioned early on that when you started in sports, there was a well-known sports local sports caster that you worked with. Mm-hmm. Oh, that so there was there was there was they call him Jim Sports Kelly and oh, Al yeah. Meltzer. Oh, it was those guys? Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. wasn't sure if it was somebody yeah, else. It was, yeah. it was those. It was those guys. And uh, Jim went on to be one of the first guys at ESPN, and then he was the voice of senior the senior PGA for years and the America's Cup. Oh, jeez, um, wow, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I have no idea uh, what what he's doing these days. And Al Meltzer since has passed. Okay. Yeah. I remember both names. I didn't know uh, actually that Jim Kelly was a Philly local, but I remember Al Meltzer really well. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I remember Al hell hollering at me one, after one show. Cause I, I was new to working with the editors. And so, you know, if, if somebody hits a baseball and it's a, it's going to be a triple or maybe it's a home run, uh, you don't run the tape of the whole around the bases uh, because it's like <laughs> watching grass grow. You basically yeah. get the ball and then you cut to like around third to home. Well, you know, what did I know? Oh, oh man. Right. Al, Al, read me a new one. That's that's where the razors come in, right? For the editing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, but the the first few uh, recordings I did um, were you know in a in studio with the reel to reel, and I always loved you know being able to tell the engineer, okay, I want this cut or this repeat, you know, just watching the razors, you know, in action was always pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you mentioned too that you know the the whole thing with the phone, and that's how you put the sound through which was probably right around the time I got my very first really early, early computer and, you know, hook the, you know, in order to hook the modem up to that, you had to actually put the phone in. Like, mm. Yeah. So I think that's kind of a similar, you know, I don't know, similar concept, but the, I think the thing that really caught my ear there was that you were in some way a part of the uh, big world series win in 80. Yeah. So obviously I was, I was working, you know, uh, as a sports intern first, and then I was working with some of the guys from uh, WCAU AM radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Ira Melman, Steve Fredericks, Don, uh, Don Hendricks. Um, I think I was his last name anyway. So I was the guy behind the board, you know, first time, uh, mm-hmm. first time caller or long time listener, first time caller, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, um, so I was producing this, uh, I know I was still producing Jim's program as well. And, uh, evidently he had a ticket to give me for game seven, uh, which they never got to. Ironically, it turns out my wife was a game six and, and <sighs> when they did win. And then, um, but when I was in the studio the night taking in, you know, whatever, all the interviews, Ira Melman, um, great guy uh he said be here at nine o'clock and so i said all right so we hop we hop in their car and at that point you drove down to south philly and you drove right into jfk they just opened the gate and you parked the car off to the side you hopped on the caravan 
And so I was in the press caravan and ahead of us was Tug McGraw and, you know, Mike Schmidt and Steve Carlton and Boone and all those guys. So the Philadelphia Daily News at the time had a, uh, an iconic picture of, of Tugger holding up the Philadelphia Daily News. And I have in, well, I had until I did my studio over into a streaming studio, I had that same exact picture, but it was from my camera, not from the Daily News. So that's how, that's how close we were. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then in 83, I was producing with Wynn Elliott and we were doing the post game interviews. Uh, And then of course, after the Orioles won, we had to go down to the locker room. So, uh, I don't think many people could say they've ever been in a World Series winning locker room with the champagne all over the place and crazy. No, not many, not many. You know, I I think that there's a chance that I may have so, seen you because I was at that parade in 80 um, as a kid. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of a weird circuitous connection, you know, over 40 years or whatever. That's uh that must have been exciting. I mean, I was excited just in the audience. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's surreal. I mean, as as those things tend to be. And especially when CBS hired me and I went out to Houston and L.A. That's when actually I got to know Jim Nance really well because, again, he was just a uh, a stringer. He He's still in college. He was rooming with Freddie Couples and uh, took me to his mother's house. I met his mother. She just passed this past year. Uh, and... Um, he took me out to dinner all three nights I was there and I just got to know him a lot better and, uh, you know, followed him, uh, followed him since then. But he just had a, uh, little radio show in Houston and I think he had some, you know, access cable TV sports show and, uh, the hmm. rest is history. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's amazing. Now. So now you, uh, said that you worked in New York for a while. Is that right? Yeah. How long were you here? So um, January of 2000 to October 2001. So you really did leave like right after 9-11. Yeah. Literally. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't because of it. Uh, it was because right. of, you know, certain work and cir- circumstances and, uh, you know, my wife working and coming down here every two weeks and, you know, got my curiosity up and we finally came down and golfed our way around and, uh here we are at, uh, you know, we still get up there. We have, you know, uh, three kids, six grandkids, um, two of the kids are in Philly suburbs and, and one is out in San Diego. So, you know, we were just in Philly for a birthday in February. Uh, and so we get up there quite often. Oh, wow. Well, that's that I've been in New York in a while. I still, you know, I miss my favorite restaurants. So, Oh yeah. Well, next time you're in the area, you have to let me know. We should get together for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have three kids too. One's in DC, one's in Cleveland, and one is young still here in the city um, in high school. Uh, but yeah, what well, we moved here the year before. Actually, we moved here the same year that you moved here, two thousand. Wow, and, a lot of similarities. And we basically, I think you and my wife switched places because she moved here the the same time that you moved out, and she's been here ever since. So, okay, so you yeah. met her there. Uh, man, we met doing a play in 2017. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been a kind of a whirlwind world and we're, you know, we got married, uh, two years ago now, almost two years ago. So. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know you were newlyweds. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, still have the very glow. nice. And where do you live in New York? In Astoria. Okay. 
lived in Manhattan for, oh, geez, maybe 15 years or something like that. And then uh, I, prior to that, actually did live in Queens. And then we moved back out to Queens in uh, 2019. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I spent many many a day uh, in diners in Queens and Staten Uh, Island and the Bronx and Brooklyn. Uh, That's where Uh, we did a lot of the, uh, you know, meeting with the seniors. Yeah. Ah, you hit all the boroughs then. You know, it's funny because we know a lot of people who have either moved to North Carolina or talked about moving to North Carolina. It seems like a popular destination for people in this area when they want to get away from city life and all that. Many of those subsequently either moved back or moved somewhere else. But it seems like you, you know, you've been there 22 years. It's really stuck. Yeah, it it has, um, you know, even though, uh, you know, my wife and I both say we still have our 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 grade school friends. I mean, it, it, Philly was a, a different beast in terms of like, I'm not that friendly. I mean, there's a group of people from the prep that I can still be in contact with. In fact, one just called me a couple of weeks ago. Oh. I hadn't heard from in years. But when we've gone back for reunions, it's been grade school reunions, not 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 high school reunions. So, um, but you know, down here we have a we have a ton of different friends and um, a lot more roots. Because you know, when we were up there, we were both actively working, and I was gigging, and so uh, you know, we have friends and family. But you know, it, it's a little different down here with her being retired and me, you know, kind of setting my own schedule, and then. Um, a lot of people, a lot of the friends are retired. So it's, it's, it's a different thing though. You know, uh, I could tell you through, uh, through pandemic and politics, we, uh, we, we, uh, considered, uh, considered moving back, but, uh, that could be a whole different show. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, funny. I was actually on track to go to St. Joe's prep, but was not uh, all that adventurous as a kid and wanted to stay with my friends and in my local area. So I just ended up going to the local public high school, but that's a good school. You know, really good school. Um, I, I thank my late sister and my late mother for forcing me to take the exam. Uh, at the time, if you remember, there was Gino's fast food restaurant. Oh yeah. And they had, they had a Gino's scholarship. Well, that's basically what they gave me for four years. And, you know, essentially I just had a, um, you know, vacuum a classroom or do a little work after school and, mm-hmm. you know, wound up having bands that played at prep dances. And, oh. um, and, you know, I, I, you know, I tell everybody that was um, even se- second uh, first was the, the prep. I mean, even my university of Pennsylvania education as great as that was, was second to the prep um just those teachers and that environment um they empower you to think you can achieve anything uh and you know of course they expose you to inclusion and diversity and and, you know all those types of jesuit principles and Mm -hmm. um you know i commend them that um, they kept it in north philly because the original structure had burned to the ground uh, and so they had to rebuild. And so we were one of the first, you know, I wasn't the first class back after the building, but maybe the fourth or fifth, I'm not sure. But they stayed true to North Philly and the roots there mm-hmm. and give back to the community. The church next to it is incredibly beautiful. Um, did oh. go back to uh, try to take one of the grandsons uh, to try to get him to go to the prep. But um, 
uh, he wasn't, uh, well, I don't, I don't think his parents were buying it because <laughs> he was, they weren't offering him a whole, they, he didn't get the deal that I got. Let's put it that way. Cause he had oh, two working yeah. parents and, uh, yeah. yeah, uh, you know, when, you know, well, we, you could just know when daycare costs as much as some high school tuitions these days, oh. you can imagine what high, you know, prep high school costs in relationship when I went there. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My, my kids have all taken the track that I didn't take. They've gone to Catholic uh, prep high schools basically, and it served them really well, but it's kind of a, you know, good thing that my ex is a lawyer because I could not afford to send them there. Let me tell you. And I do think though, that there is something to be said for the, the level of preparation that you get to go to the next stage of your life by going to a school like that. And I mean, you went to Penn, so that's, you know, testament right there. Yeah. I mean, uh, cl- clearly it's, it's, um, you know, amazing. That was an amazing education. And, you know, you still remember the teachers, uh, you know, that, uh, and, and you keep in touch with the alumni association. And, you know, I was in the class with uh, my homeroom was um, Michael Nutter was in my class. So, you know, I spent four years sitting right next to him basically. Ah. So, uh, you know, obviously the the the, the class bef- um, that was coming up after us uh, has had the uh, McKinney. Uh, so you know, we we had two mayors right out of there. And Jeez, that's incredible. if you actually just go down the alumni list, uh, I mean, uh, Gannon, I forget what his first name is, plays in the played in the NFL. Now he's a uh, sportscaster. Okay. Oh yeah, um, the guy who created. Um, Oh, uh, everything, whatever, something in Philly, whatever that show is. Um, I think he's from, he's from the prep. I mean, it's, it's wow. a, it's a crazy mix of, uh, talent that came out of there, but it, it was, it was a strange experience as well, because, um, here was a you know, relatively poor kid and you're in classes with like, um, uh, the guy whose father owns Finneran and Haley paint. Uh, or the the guy whose um, father's a judge, you know, or, you know, wow. so it was just, um, you know, and that was, that was a good thing and a bad thing uh, to be around because, you know, on one hand you aspire to that. And a lot of these guys had kind of silver spoons, but on the other hand, you spend too much time around that kind of thing. And you think that you just automatically entitled <laughs> to it and don't have to work for it. So <laughs> Yeah. Now you said you were in a you you played some of the uh you know in bands back then and were you primarily on bass at the time? Yeah. You know, uh if we did switch off um this is kind of a funny story so I had a 10 week elective that I had to take at Drexel, you know, and I and at that point I had filled all my requirements and I was taking like, you know, tennis three credits and yeah. whatever it's like yeah. whatever filler i needed to finish well i took a 10 week i took a vocal harmonizing class that was absolutely cool mm-hmm. of course i couldn't read music so i'm recording the whole practice sessions uh but nice. I, then i took a piano a 10-week piano course and by the end of the 10 weeks i had to be able to obviously read the notes and play with my left and my right hand and uh and i did and i passed Nice. And so in the bands, every once in a while, I would, we would switch and the bass player, he, the guy would come play bass. I play keyboard just to give it some diversity. But yeah, I was always the bass player, which I, it was the ironic thing is I, you know, as soon as I got out of that, when I went to nursing homes, I was just basically using backing tracks and a handheld mic, which actually made me a better entertainer, 
ultimately a better public speaker Mm. and ultimately better able to work on my feet uh, with an, with what could be a very tough audience if they don't like what you're doing. So, uh, so that was all different experience. And so when I started doing the brew pubs and and doing actually a lot of backyard entertainment with our friends, uh, it was backing tracks, but strapping on the Les Paul and uh, the vocal harmonizers. So that I'm, you know, basically a five piece band with one guy, but yeah, all the years of bands. In fact, the last bass I played in a band is hanging in my, um bar downstairs ah wow i want actually want to get quite a bit more into the you know your performances and then of course in conjunction with that the nursing homes and sage stream but i have to tell you it's funny because a few years ago i uh rejoined after a long hiatus this uh, beatles cover band which i was originally a keyboardist for and one of the singers and uh they but they needed a bass player and I had only really done bass, you know, in my studio. I never performed it live. And I'm like, yeah, I love these guys. I'll jump in. And we now have like three or four different cover bands for which I am the bass player. And same exact thing. Every now and then, one of the guitar players takes the bass and I jump on keyboard. It's like almost identical, you know. Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. And and what's funny is I think for me, I started with piano. I went to guitar. Uh, but bass has become like this huge love. I, I just the laying down the rhythm and just the way you can play even m- melodically and all of that has just really excited me in my later years, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, learning, I was the guy who always brought the songs to the band, all the cover songs. Ooh. And I was literally laying on the floor, sitting on the floor next to the stereo with a turntable, putting the needle down and listening for the bass roots. And, you know, then write, writing out all the songs and the chords and bringing it to these guys. Um, that's why that's why I can learn songs so incredibly quickly when I'm gigging and somebody stumps me with something. I'll know it by the next week. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. It's its own language. And you you've shown that, like, you know, I'm a part of your newsletter and I see the performances <laughs> you do and all how and just how eclectic your musical selections are. It's uh pretty awesome yeah it's crazy <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> is that stuff that you do live as well and that's why you record it or uh yeah i mean uh so the adult day center that i was on a few weeks ago and they're putting requests they wanted Smokey robinson well you know i learned ooh baby baby i didn't have a whole lot of smoke you know when you when people pick out s- specific artists I'm always asking, name me a song because I don't always go to the song. I, I, I mean, the artist, I go to the song and yeah. if they say the song, then I'll say, Oh yeah, I have that. And I had, I had maybe one other one, but you know, I learned that. And then boom, I was playing it. I was on vacation with a our friend of ours. They write, they watched the Peaky Blinders show. Oh, and yeah. he was saying, you gotta, you gotta learn that Peaky Blinders song, red, right hand. I said, what? all right. So, uh, <laughs> So yeah, I'm, you know, I had two gigs last weekend, and I played uh, Red Right Hand for uh, for them. So, but oh. uh, I could do, you know, I could easily switch to Cream and Three Dog Night or mm-hmm. Beatles or Bachman Turner Overdrive or the Lumineers or wow. um, whatever Brian Adams, Tom Petty. I mean, really, it's crazy. It's uh, you know, I'll do I I I have six ABBA, ABBA songs I do. You know, I just lower ah. the keys. That's awesome. Everybody loves. Monkeys. 
Did monkeys oh, the other yeah. night? Because you got to do the monkeys. Great. Absolutely, absolutely. Got you know yeah I I do mostly original material, but as we know, in many cases, the covers pay better, you know, and, and just the challenge of learning things that aren't really, weren't maybe an interest of mine or weren't in my wheelhouse that, you know, came from doing with the band, the pandemic shows, and then working with my wife, it really does force you to kind of get to know a whole lot of music that you then end up really appreciating and enjoying. Yeah. Well, I, I so appreciated your performance uh, yesterday on, on, on stage stream. Uh, just, oh. it was a different side that I hadn't heard of you. And, and uh, yeah, you, it was, you really finessed that stuff and it was, uh, it was, it was nice to hear. So uh, yeah, thanks. Ah, thank you. And for anybody who wants to know, I may, I, maybe I will post that or if not, we'll find a way that you can see it. It's all jazz stuff, which is uh, stuff that I do every now and then. And I appreciate your, your, you know, opinion on that. Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the show yesterday because I really want to get into this now. This is this is something that I've been, I guess, peripherally involved with for the last couple of years as you've been launching it, and that, of course, is SageStream. Can you tell everybody uh, in more detail what SageStream is, how it came about, and all of that? Sure. So, um, you know, back in 2020, the end of 2020, I got a student from uh, Northeastern University in Boston. It was their experiential learning program. And it was like, give them something that uh, you don't necessarily have time to work on right now. And at that time, you know, I had fiber optics in the house for maybe three or four years. And I really thought it would be a no brainer to just start um, broadcasting to senior living live streaming. Well, you know, I came to find out that, well, what I didn't really know at the time is I really didn't have the right equipment to be doing it. Uh, and then uh, second of all, that they literally and figuratively didn't have the bandwidth uh, from a staffing or technology perspective. Uh, well, that certainly changed during the ban- pandemic and since. And so my student, we did, uh, you know, everybody's uh, when you have mentors in these business accelerators that I attend, which is all kind of new to me as well, uh, launching an enterprise like this, that they're about, um, uh, you know, discovery, uh, talking to people, finding out, you know, is there a need? And so we talked to hundreds of people, activity directors, activity uh, uh, consultants, executive directors, nursing homes. And really the landscape had changed that, um because of COVID, because of the shutdowns, obviously live stream was becoming a much bigger deal. So, you know, within three weeks or so, you know, we had a, a 
kind of a vision video, you know, one of those whiteboard animated videos together um, about, uh, you know, I'll get into what it is in a second, but, um, but this is how fast it kind of moved out of the gate. I mean, we had the, the whiteboard animated video and then I started sharing it with people. And then I had like six organizations endorsing what we were doing, like music for the, for dementia in the UK and uh, caring.com and caregiver caregiving.com and uh, second wind dreams in Atlanta and a bunch of others. And then because on the healthcare side of my life, I write for us news and world report, they saw the whiteboard video. And so well, you should write about this. And I normally don't publicize my own stuff. So uh, I was able to write for us news and then Yahoo picked it up. And then, so next thing we had endorsers and press, and then we were being asked for a proposal from a major assisted living group. The, the thing is we weren't ready to do anything. We didn't have a platform. We didn't have a delivery platform. We had a lot of momentum. And so the last two years have been trying to catch up with that initial thrust because uh, this is all kind of bootstrapped uh, from me. So let me circle back to what it is. So the, uh, and then we'll also tell you why we're doing it. Yeah. So the what is pretty straightforward. It's a live stream in the moment. And the emphasis is live, not pre-recorded, not on demand, live in the moment, senior entertainment. And because it's live, live, it allows for interaction. And as you witnessed, what we use is the chat function of the video player that we're using. And so some of our steady <coughs> clients, excuse me, will send me the day before, um, you know, whose birthday it is or what's going on in the facility or, you know, what, what, what can we shout out? And like I asked you to shout out um, to the facility in Allentown yesterday, and it, it didn't go unnoticed because I talked to the woman uh, via text today and, and uh, was making sure she was watching and, uh, and she proactively thanked me for the shout out. So that's makes it interactive. And when you have interaction, you know, it's one of the things about that we're trying to solve for is, you know, social isolation and social interaction we had a quick cup of a sip of my coffee here <laughs> i'll take a sip too wow. there you go so so you got the live part you got the interactive mm -hmm. part so why does the national association of activity professionals love us so much is because a lot of the things that we're doing we're trying to do based around the brain science around music so I have a neuroscientist mentor at the John Hopkins Lieber Institute for Brain Development. His name's Raul. And he put a video together for me that basically shows people, you know, here's your, you know, here's your mind on drugs. Well, here's your mind on music. You know, what happens, what connections are being made? And he goes through each of them. If you're interested in the lyrics, here's what's lights up in your brain. Hmm. If you're interested in the beat, here's what lights up in your brain. And so at the end of it all, your brain is connecting on all levels and they're bu therefore building stronger connections, which explains why when I'm in a nursing home and somebody who has Alzheimer's comes alive for that whole program and then goes back to sleep, there's a reason. There's brain connections that are being formed. And so we have some artists, like some of our artists in the UK that um, actually building cues to help people with memory loss. We have a guy named my mate, George, and uh, he does tea time tunes. He's an interesting character. He uh, long haul COVID survivor. Unfortunately, he's had long COVID. He can't sing like you or I for an hour or do three sets. Um, but he can do, and he created in the UK tea time tunes 
every day he does one song, but he builds all kinds of stuff around it. So he has a cast of characters, stuffed animals to come down and converse with him. He tries to make it interactive because of how he does it. So he numbers the song so people know something came before and something may, may come after. He wears the same shirt every day with the same logo, but the shirt changes color every day. So something stays the same, something's different. He has a tea mug, but every day the tea mug is different, right? Oh. Uh, you know, he, he says the song he did yesterday for reference in time, says what he's going to do tomorrow. And then the most ingenious thing is he gets a snack. He always has a snack because it's very hard to get people to um, to nourish themselves either as a caregiver or as an older person alone in your house to take the time to mm. get a drink of water, to nourish, those kinds of things. So we have this kind of science base around it. And then, of course, we have the um, intergenerational component that – uh, we're going to introduce, and, and we have another group of Northeastern students working with that to actually help us put a blueprint together for that. And what that's going to be essentially is that wherever we have clients, people who are listening in, we want to be able to send youth in and do intergenerational uh, work with them. What that's going to look like, don't exactly know yet. Obviously, there's also liability issues and things that go with that as well. So we're working through all that, working with a gentleman actually in New York City, Dr. Gary Alfine. He has a group called Youth Engaging Seniors. He works with disadvantaged youth and he sends them out and does music programs in some care homes hmm. that he works with. And we also had a very preliminary conversation with Generations Over Dinner, which also runs Generations Over Lunch. And some people may know who Chip Conley is. He uh, he was a sort of boutique hotel owner and then went on to be one of the principals advising Airbnb. And uh, he sort of... Uh, is kind of a statesman for, you know, growing older and having a second half of life. So, mm. so the things we're solving for are um, social isolation among older adults. Um, there are uh, 36% of those 55 and over live alone. Uh, there's probably 8 million what they call elder orphans, people who live alone. Mm. The New York Times had a great article a couple of weeks ago where they were saying the pandemic is not over for older people. And the thing is, society has moved on in terms of masking and all that kind of stuff. But people were susceptible. And in this case, they featured one particular couple. You know, she had diabetes. I don't know what his condition was. But normally they're and they, they don't have any long haul COVID uh, impacts. But um, normally they're very social, social people get involved in, uh, you know, mental and physical activities. Uh, but they basically retreated into their homes because they don't feel safe. And so it's those types of people that we're uh, looking at to bring something that you normally would not be exposed to. Um, I didn't mention our roster. I mean, we have 60 plus artists from around the world. Um, you know, um, I, I think I may have already said this, but, you know, jazz singer tour without Jero and uh, you know, someone with the London Philharmonic. Uh, and so there's, you know, you got artists that are previously unavailable, mostly unaffordable, the most most people. And so caregivers obviously have a vested interest for, you know, caregiver respite and having something, one more thing to do from, you know, to help mom or dad. And of course, you know, um, senior living, whether it's adult day or assisted living, obviously we could have a better experience for many of their residents who are, you know, reporting being lonely, uh, who are suffering mental health issues, uh, if we could brighten their day and give them something that's a little bit different, 
It's obviously going to be a lot more satisfying for them, for the families, therefore for the facility, because the word of mouth is going to spread. Uh, but likewise, we can also help them save time and money because we're an affordable, um, you know, turnkey type of thing to implement. I mean, you basically, if you have a subscription and you put a pa- you know URL and a password, uh, you're good to go. So the journey we're on right now is that we are, uh, we did a, what I call a soft launch. Um, that was thanks to Rotary. Uh, so my district Rotary gave me a small amount of money to be able to pay my artists mm-hmm. and also to do 16 weeks of programming. And um, and so the Rotary connection is is um, because, well, if, on every Rotary in the, in the, in the world, uh, you'll see these little blue buckets. They're called CART, Coins for Alzheimer's Research Trust. Mm. And so there's a vested interest in Alzheimer's research with, with – uh, with Rotary, um, their cover magazine about a year or so ago did a whole um, um, cover story on music and memory. Uh, and so um, we know there's an interest. So I've been touring the Rotary clubs, trying to get them interested in supporting it. And the groups we will use, at least my vision, is to use the Rotary youth uh, for the intergenerational things that we're doing. Uh, because, um, you know, there's 60 clubs just in my district. And my district is basically Charlotte. So um, there's 43 other districts that have these, this CART program going on. So I don't know how many millions of members and clubs there are in Rotary, but you probably can't visit a country without running into one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after the 16 weeks, um, fortunately, I finally have been able to build my platform. It hasn't launched yet, but that sagestream.live URL will redirect to it uh, soon, uh, maybe within the month. And uh, that'll give us a more permanent home and we'll be able to take individual subscriptions and, uh, you know, we'll see how we'll see how we can build it up from then from there. Well, I have a million questions and, and comments, but just yeah, the yeah, yeah. last thing um, the, it's you mentioned subscriptions. Any anybody can subscribe too, right? Yeah. So. Obviously, because I'm bootstrapping this. And you need a certain amount of money to break even. And I'm not particularly interested in investors or angels or taking loans or tapping 401ks. Mm -hmm. Um, I really need to get some organizational clients to buy it so that I can get up to a certain number, which I have in my mind. Um, And then I will open it up to individual uh, subscribers. Now, that said, that story changes in my mind every day, too, because the last thing I told my webmaster was that, when we launch, why don't we just have a, I think I, I priced it at $149 annual subscription, which is about what the market is on other services that are like this, though nothing is exactly like what we're doing. Uh, but anybody else who's live streaming out there who has something to offer seniors, that's sort of the sweet spot. And then I basically said, once we get subscribers, uh, I, I will be the entertainment until I can build a big enough pool to be able to, you know, again, bring more artists in and pay the artists. So um, so yeah, it'll be for anybody. Um, and, uh, but, uh, first trying to reach, uh, organizations and also, you know, this is, um, I don't think we've talked about the concept of, of social prescribing yet. Um, but in, in the healthcare system in the U S they talk about social determinants of health, all the other things that impact your health when you're not in a doctor's office or in a hospital. So it could be transportation. If you don't have it, you can't get to the doctor. It's going to impact your health. Uh, if you don't have adequate housing, 
uh, or if you're not eating correctly. Uh, you know, there's food deserts out there. That, you know, people don't have access to healthy food. So mm. all of those impact your health. In the UK, they have embraced, and the concept's coming over here a little bit, social prescribing, different concept. But the idea is you go in a doctor's office in the US and say, I'm suffering from anxiety. Give me something. Well, yeah, we'll give you something. We'll give you an anxiety pill. Over in the UK, they will prescribe an arts program. Uh, it could be go take a gardening class, go get your hands dirty, go for a walk in nature, take this music program. Um, so that's a conversation that I am trying to have with local physicians and health systems to move this uh, along, uh, which gets into another target audience, which are like Medicare Advantage plans and health plans that can offer this as a value added service to members like they do with silver sneakers and, and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, Long-winded answer, yes, anybody will be able to avail themselves of the service, but there are a number of ways that we hope to be able to, because if we got into a health plan, um, then anybody who had that health plan wouldn't have to subscribe. They would just get it. I I want to make a quick comment on just uh, to just say to everybody, I in case you don't realize how incredibly affordable and cost-effective that you know number is, for the P- anybody who wants to buy in, whether you're in particular facilities or organizations, but even individuals, my dad does live in-person nursing home shows. And I think it costs pretty much that much for the nursing home to employ him for just one show. And you're talking about an annual subscription for 149 That's incredible. Right. And and then for an individual, I think it's probably about right. But for an organization, it's probably going to be that monthly, perhaps. Well, that makes you know, sense too. Yeah, because you're getting so, so many shows. Yeah, right. And you're and you're exposing yeah. it to so many more people than one on one. But yeah, you know, it's interesting because I did have a conversation. So I do a lot of pitch contests, you know, and you go up and you tell what the problem is, and then you give the solutions and da da da. So one of the guys I met at a pitch I had breakfast with this morning, and uh, and you know, he's a sales guy, and it's uh, an, an area where I, I suffer a little bit. But he was saying, you know, messaging. He says, you know, what if you just went to these people and said. How would you like to have three live entertainers every week at your community? You know, huh. uh, and then essentially, you know, we we can do that. Right. Um, and they're entertainers that are of a caliber that you're probably not going to get off the street all the time. And, you know, I have no knock on volunteers, but a lot of times you'll get what you pay for. Some people are very talented and some people aren't. True. So. Uh, but again, where are you going to get a violinist that plays with the London Philharmonic that does, you know, kind of music appreciation and the violin, uh, you know, or an opera singer that has sung at Red Rocks and uh, uh, things like that? Well, yeah, you're uh, pulling you know. from all over the world. That's it's the greater pool, you know? Yeah. And and Phyllis Chappelle from the Philly area who, uh, you know, if you go on her website, she's been named one of the top 500 jazz vocalists of all time. Oh. I mean, uh Wow. I thought my superstar in L.A. was was the one was that person. But uh, evidently, they're going to have a cat fight one day between well, a sing off between the two of them. That would actually be a fun program. <laughs> oh, bring the two of them. Yeah. The two of them on at once. Well, head to head. Uh, and, to head. and and your performers are not just music either. Right. Right. So 75 percent music, 25 uh, percent others. So, you know, I have um, I have two comedians. In fact, next week's program. Uh, the uh, February 28th, 2023 program for reference and time there is going to be two comedians. Uh, the week after that, I have somebody who does watercolors. 
Um, I work with the Creative Aging uh, Network in North Carolina. That's an arts organization based in Greensboro. Uh, so they give me some of their artists. Um, I have a, a president of the Black Bourbon Association, uh, Women's Bourbon Association. Um, she's not part of the programming this time, but will be. Hmm. Um, I have the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston that will do live museum tours. And, and there's actual clinical studies around doing live stream museum tours that show it's beneficial to isolated, uh, socially isolated folks. They've actually clinically studied that. Uh, so, um, you know, when you could prove that live streaming works, uh, you got a good sell. But yeah, and, uh, you know, the non-musical programs we're going to archive so you could go back to them. The musical ones were not. It's a very simple reason. Uh, licensing. Uh, we're going to have the proper licensing for streaming uh, in the moment. So a performance license. But once it's gone, once it's done, it's gone, mm -hmm. which also makes it a little more valuable, in my opinion, because if you really want to catch somebody, it's like appointment TV. You know, yeah. it's like the, the olden days, you know, all right, Hi. it's 10 o'clock on uh on Monday morning, Anthony's got Sage Stream on. Uh, who's he got this week? Uh, let's yeah. be surprised. And uh, one of my executive executive directors, uh, I'm part of the Institute. I'm on the board of the Institute for Music and Neurologic Function. And uh, they're up in upstate New York. And uh, the gentleman who's the chair runs several different assisted living and nursing homes there. And uh, he was saying, you know, not only is this, he, know, he knows that people live stream, uh, but as far as live streaming into for seniors, he really hasn't seen a whole lot. And the interaction part just makes it even more valuable. And he, he made the reference of it being like calling into your local radio station back in the day for requests, something that you probably can't even do today. Mm. So, um, wow. yeah, so there's a lot of moving components to this um, that make it interesting. But I think um, it works to our advantage, even actually not not archiving the music programs because we'll have enough music yeah. and we'll bring people back that um, it'll keep it interesting. And then we'll have the other stuff that people uh, want to dig into and 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 grab uh, and watch. They can. And, you know, I'm always looking uh, for, and this is for anybody watching or listening, always looking for more talent. Uh, to me, I can never have enough because, uh, frankly, I do worry about the time when they're going to say, yeah, we're ready for five days a week. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and even with five, you know, I've got 60 roster members now. So even five days a week, I can go probably three months if everybody's scheduled out it before mm -hmm. I'd have to go back to anybody. And that's a nice luxury to have, but I would like to have 160, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as you know, no artist is going to make a lot of money on this program. It's mission, it's exposure for you. Uh, on, and honestly, you know, ask your dad probably uh, when he goes to a nursing home, how long does it take them to get paid uh, versus, uh, you know, your show is over. And uh, and and I don't think your show is over for 30 seconds. And, and I already have sent you a, a payment. So there are some incentives for artists to not have to get it in the car and go somewhere uh, if they can do something, uh, you know, that's impactful. And again, the impact comes through the interaction. And really a lot of that responsibility is on the other side. It's the activity director, uh, the caregiver, the home health aide. It, mm -hmm. It's all really about, Hey, I'm sitting here with, uh, you know, Paula and she just loves Cole Porter and she loves that you just did that song. 
And, um, you know, she would like you to do this or uh, whatever, you know, and then we could say in real time, yeah, how you doing? And so, you know, you don't get that on, you don't even get that on live TV if something's live, live. No, because you can't interact. I think the live component of this is, I mean, vital. I want to, I kind of want to get into the whole science angle of this because I wasn't even aware of it, but I want to say first, just a housekeeping thing. Uh, anyone who is on uh, music is not a genre on Patreon, you'll be getting this uh, interview early enough to tune in Tuesday, the 28th to see the comics. So I highly recommend that there are so many shows left in the bundle that you can buy for this and any, and everybody else you can see every every show in March and April and beyond. Uh, and as a performer, I can tell you if you're out there and you want to do this, there's to me, it's no contest. Having talked to my dad and you and knowing how much work it takes to set up and do a show that's actually a very short show. So you're doing more setting up and breaking down than you are performing sometimes. And then you it takes you know, a couple of months at least to get paid. And you're, it's not like you're, I, I have to say from the standpoint of having done the show now that it is incredibly worth it to, to do it. So if you're out there, please think of joining Anthony on this as a, whatever performing you're doing. Uh, it's yeah, it's really worth it. Absolutely. So, so, so Nick, I'm uh, so I I want to hold you to that one. I I would love for you after the show is over, okay, for you to just say what you just said as if you're talking to me recruiting a new artist. You know, here's a perspective of one of our artists that come on board. Why do you do it? Ah. That would be incredibly helpful for me. Absolutely. We, you sort of just did it, but I would like it in its own little packet. I mean, hey, let me know whatever whatever you want me to say. I'm I'm serious. I I you know the 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 pandemic afforded us a lot of heartache and tragedy, but some of the benefits that had come from it, uh, we've been talking about lately. And remote work is one of them. And for performers, having done all the shows that I did online, just from my heart, which I would never take back. I loved it. It was amazing to be able to do that. And be working with somebody like you as a performer himself who has this the 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 amount of knowledge and respect for other performers and you're giving to a community that just desperately needs this kind of whatever live performing you're doing and to be rewarded for the just the experience of doing it and but then to actually be respected on the level on a business level and get paid for it and get paid promptly i can't say enough about the experience really well thank you yes yes (laughs) now keep keep that keep that all in your head okay all right yeah yeah i'll take we'll do it again okay good uh i i want to get into this though because it's it's just a weird coincidence. I had somebody uh, kind of cold email me from my website a few weeks ago who wanted to write an article for me. And her perspective is from the standpoint of being a young mother. She has an organization for young mothers and the support system there and all of that. And I said, well, if you can give it an artistic angle, because that's what my whole you know blog and my website is about. And she wrote an article that I'll be posting next week, or I guess it'll be this week when this comes out, about uh, the the value of arts for children. 
and went into the science of that. And now here you are talking about how science-based everything you're doing is. And it reminds me of like, you know, reading books by Oliver Sacks and how there's a special relationship between the brain and music and how that can awaken certain parts of the brain that just mere, you know, dialogue and other types of interaction don't, don't quite get there. And the idea of live. And then you talked about the guy with tea time and how there's certain aspects he puts into his shows that are directly related to the science of you know, and the experience of what is needed for people, you know, and for elder people and lonely people and people who have certain conditions and everything. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, it's interesting. So I'm, I'm doing a program at the Argenum, which is an assisted living association, senior living executive conference in May. And I, you know, I, I like to come up with catchy titles and then I have to backfill like, okay, now what am I really going to say? Uh, <laughs> but it's called uh, your, your brain on music. And I'm going to delve into some of those issues. And so I've been pulling videos up a lot of different things. And there's an amazing one from the UK about uh, a Parkinson's patient and um, how they were trying to help him in a physical therapy session and how awkward it was, his movements and everything. And then they put a certain song on uh, and then, you know, the, the, his whole rhythm changed and he, he was able to walk better. And so there's, there's videos out there that, that show this probably better than showing a video of what transpires in the brain. But, you know, I'm not the scientist, um, but that's why I asked to join the Institute for Music and Neurologic Function. Actually, they asked me. I didn't. I, I, I reached out to them because they were actually featured in that Rotary article that I was talking to you about. And I never miss an opportunity to kind of comb things and see who I should connect with. And um, it was actually founded with uh, Oliver Sacks and Conchetta Tamiano. Ah. Um, so so there's a whole connection there. And the fact that I, I've been trying to get Conchetta to share some of her secret slides with me that I can use for the Argentum conference, because, um, you know, there's certain things I do know and certain things I don't. But I just know from being boots on the ground and hum, having done probably several thousand shows, because uh, I've been in enough rooms where people are totally out of it when you get there, wake up, sing the whole program, and then you know, go back to sleep. And, you know, there's a lot to be said um, uh, with um, custom playlists. You know, that's been, that was a big thing with a live inside. People could look that video up mm. where uh, this African-American gentleman, they put some headphones on with all of his favorite songs. And he literally comes alive. You couldn't title the video any better live inside. And you could just see, uh, you know, what happens. Uh, there's another of a new entrant on the market and, um, is it Vera song? I'm not exactly sure. They have an app. Uh, and instead of putting a custom playlist together, it basically analyzes kind of, I guess, the basic information you put in about your loved one and also their mood at any given time. And it will just, the algorithms will sort of punch out a playlist that is appropriate for them. So, um, uh, I'm going to do a little more research on them because I am going to show some of the solutions that are out there wow. that uh, that can help. But music and therapy is is uh, uh, huge. There's another group out there called Point Motion. And they just went through a business accelerator that I went through, and they use sort of this whole idea of movement, exercise, and music all together 
you know, so it's coordination, it's balance, it's physical activity. And when you're doing, whether it's chair boxing, when you're hitting the targets, a note sounds. And if you hit them quick enough, the note, you'll hear that the notes are forming a song that you probably know, you know, that kind of thing. So again, it's, it's making that connection. And uh, so we're talking with them actually too, to say, you know, people go through the rehab programs there. Is there a reward at the end of maybe Sage Dream, that kind of thing? Mm. So yeah, there's a lot of growing science. And, you know, if if the, if people would look at that and realize the health benefits, you know, that come with that, uh, they would then get to, you know, what all health health systems are hung up on, which is the bottom line, that there's going to be bottom line implications when you keep your population healthier and satisfied than there are if you keep them isolated uh, and, and, you know, without the experiences that uh, we can offer. I, I, uh, there's a guy who is a fill-in drummer for the bands uh, that I'm in and he, his main gig is in Brooklyn. He works for the hospital system there as a music therapist and does it primarily for people with, you know, chronic conditions who are going through treatment and at all ages, you know, and, and uh, he's just sort of stumbled into it because he was in the hospital at some point with a, a somebody he knew who was sick and said to the nurse, would you mind if I just play my guitar here and kind of soothe her while she's recovering? And that just eventually turned into a job. And he, he teaches classes and, and goes, you know, the, any, that kind of like interactive involvement, whether it's in person or as, like through SageStream, e- either way is live and it's a back and forth. You know, I have an aunt who's 96 years old. She lives in South Philly. She goes to the senior center every day and does yoga, you know, and, and, and that's uh, to me is one of the main things that's keeping her just wow. alive and healthy, you know? I bet I bet I know what senior center she goes to too. So that's that's oh, interesting. Oh wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, uh, well, yeah. Where in South Philly does she live? Uh, she lives on Twelfth and uh, Wharton Street. Oh yeah, Near yeah. The I know. I could. Yeah. The Acme. Acme, exactly. It's that's the right. Acme. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, my mother was at Tenth and Mifflin at and toward the end there before she oh, moved wow. to Florida. So yeah. yeah, she was right there. Yeah. yeah. That's that's amazing. So she she would love Sage Stream sixteen weeks of programming. Uh yes, she would. Yes, uh, <laughs> you know she was. She's always been one of my biggest fans too. I I sang for her when I was like seven years old. I sang the way we were. Oh, there you go. You no, know, because I had so much experience about living in the past at seven, and uh, you know, of course, yeah, exactly. And she, you know, she's I don't know. She's just a great supporter. I I'm. I I mean, I can't tell you, I'm glad we did this because I've learned so much about, you know, your, your approach to SageStream, why you're doing it and how you're doing it and how you're connecting it. it I love that you're kind of, to me, you had your experience in marketing and, and, you know, broadcasting. And then when you were in the band, like you said, you were kind of the leader, you would bring the songs there. So you have this kind of initiative that a lot of us artists don't necessarily have. We like to do what we do, but you found a way to put it all together and create this thing through all the various experiences you've had that I, I said this before yesterday and my 
wife read a quote from somewhere, and I think it all applies here, which is, you know, 90% of success is just sticking with it and, and doing <laughs> what you say you're going to do. And here you are, yeah. like it's it's getting to a couple of years later when you started this and it's all starting to come to fruition and for such great benefits for so many people. And it's really exciting to me. Well, I, I certainly appreciate it. And, you know, you need you need some cheerleaders along the way and then champions. And, uh, you know, uh, you're obviously one of them. And I and I appreciate that. So uh, thank you very much for that, because, you know, I do believe. The more I talk about it, the more I believe that we're offering something no one else is, that that it's a uh, a needed service, that we're going to help a lot of people with it. Uh, and uh, it drives my mentors, uh, one of my mentors, at, uh, it's called Launch Lake Norman, Launch Charlotte now. Uh, he he just can't understand why people just, why, why this just has shot up the, you know, the charts, so to speak, you know, yeah. so he's a big, he's a big champion. Uh, as well so you need champions you, you can't do any of this uh by yourself and you know it was gratifying was um as you know i i i called every single artist in the month of january uh which i hadn't really had a conversation with everybody until we had like these initial zoom sessions when i explained what we were doing and mm-hmm. people joined up uh but i called everybody and you know i was a little nervous because again I, what have i used you for no literally nothing some of them and so, uh, and, and when you have some of your superstars, it's like, you know, are they still committed? So, you know, uh, and, and not to slight my non superstars, at least, you know, in the certain realm of things, the, the, the people who I was most nervous about were like enthusiastically committed, uh, when you need me, just call and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do it for you. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, so we're almost out of time here. Is there any uh, final thoughts or the directives that you'd like to leave with everyone? No. Well, you know, you just never know where every conversation leads you. So if this sparks something in somebody that uh, you feel could use uh, SageStream or could be part of our roster or has a is a caregiver who might know a loved one who needs this, um, you know, just uh, just let us know um, if you go to the website. Uh, you could see some videos of of how this works and uh, and a testimonial from uh, one of our adult day centers about how the interaction is almost like being there live and uh, and uh, and also my recent TV appearance on the on the Charlotte Today program, kind of the uh, local version yeah. of the national show. So all that stuff is there, uh, and uh, I think everybody kind of will get it once you watch that and understand what we're trying to offer. I think you will too. I've seen all that and I agree. Uh, And all of the links and any other links that Anthony decides are pertinent, we're going to put below both audio and video versions and all of that. So please patronize all that. Check it all out. Thank you, Anthony, for being a guest. It was a real pleasure. Um, My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Nick. Absolutely. And thank you to everyone for watching and listening. As always, you know, my objectives here are music, conversation and connection. And I will see you next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.